Hello, welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind and how it works and mental illness and mental health. And with me, as always, is Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist, co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. So during COVID in October 2020, the Morrison government extended the number of psychological counselling sessions you could get a Medicare rebate for from 10 a year to 20 a year, doubled them. You could have 10 rebated sessions then if and only if a doctor was of the opinion that additional sessions were appropriate for you, you could then get an additional 10 Medicare rebated sessions. So it wasn't for anyone. It was available only if you'd had 10 treatment sessions with, for example, a psychologist and a doctor reckoned you needed more. Now, the Albanese government has reversed this at the end of 2022. You can still get rebates for 10 sessions a year, but after that, you're on your own, even if a GP or psychiatrist assesses you as still being mentally unwell and needing further treatment. Too bad, no rebate. You have to pay the full fee. Uh, And if you can't, you're on your own. Doctors will have to say to patients, look, you are still unwell. Yes, you need more therapy, but unless you can afford it yourself, you can't see a psychologist. So at first blush, it seems a step backwards, doesn't it, in providing comprehensive treatment to those who have a mental illness. However, perhaps it isn't that simple because the demand for counselling services way outstrips the supply. This is the problem. There aren't enough psychologists. It's hard to get in to see one. There are long waiting lists. Perhaps as we've got better at recognising when we can benefit from counselling and therapy, and we've got more open to the idea of seeing a psychologist, we haven't been able to increase the numbers of psychologists to keep pace with that increased demand. And that's a problem that's going to take years to fix. So in making this decision, the Health Minister, Mark Butler, relied on a report that found that only about 15% of people accessing treatment had taken up additional sessions beyond 10, and that they may be limiting, and this is crucial, the ability of new patients to get in to see psychologists. So you could see this as a form of rationing. If some people are getting 20 Medicare rebated sessions, the unintended consequence may be that others who are unwell are missing out because they can't find anyone to see for months. One thing we do know for sure is that the Albanese government, as we record this in early January 2023, has been in power for seven and a half months and so far has announced nothing that will deal with this long-term supply of psychologists problem. And you spoke in favour immediately of the government's Medicare rebate changes, reducing uh, the number of rebated sessions from 20 to 10. Before I ask you why, can we just try and agree on one lofty idealistic principle? In a perfect world with an abundance of services and no supply problems, the government should support those with physical or mental health problems, getting the treatment they need to help them to get better for as long as they need it. That's why I pay my taxes, isn't it? So if I get sick, the health system will be there to support me. Yes. In an ideal world, James, absolutely. That's what we think we have when we call universal health care. And often people refer to Medicare as universal health care. Actually, Medicare is a series of rebates. It's an insurance system. pays you back when you see private providers 
of psychological services or medical services or any medical specialty or your GP or anyone else. They're running their own private businesses. You pay a fee, government pays you part of that fee back. If it's bulk billing, the entire you get the entire, it costs you nothing. More typically, it costs you out of pocket. As people would be well aware, it costs you something mm. extra, as it does when you get pharmaceuticals, but for medical and psychological services. So it does, at first blush, as you point out, James, seem rather odd. Firstly, why did the Morrison government do it during COVID? Was it really COVID-related? No, it wasn't COVID-related. It's something the professions have been arguing about and lobbying government for for decades to increase the amount of sessions that are available with Medicare rebates from 10 to 20. Other things were COVID-related, telehealth services, COVID-related, new pop-up clinics for mental health problems because of the increased demand. They were COVID-related. This was never COVID-related, but it was introduced then and it had a use-by date which was December 31, 2022. So one of those things the Morrison government left for the new government (laughs) to Mm. continue or not continue this thing, which had nothing to do with COVID, but everything to do with there are people who do require more psychological care. So 10 sessions is arbitrary. The truth is the average number of sessions used by people is five, five. And so what that means is every time someone goes to 20, one person, probably three people who would have got five sessions don't get any care at all. Well, that's if there's a supply problem. Like we don't say, do we, every time someone needs four operations to fix their broken leg, that means three people with broken legs miss out. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Do It's called waiting lists. It's called waiting lists. Right. Every time they have to wait long. They wait. They wait. And what's happened during COVID, if you've tried to ring a psychologist, you've tried to find a psychiatrist, you've tried to get any psychological help in the last 12 months, good luck. I spend most of my life on the phone ringing colleagues trying to arrange urgent psychological care. And they go, Ian, um, you can have that in February 2024, not 2023, forget it. And the public sector, there aren't waiting lists. When you talk about where do people go, James, one of our other problems is you can't go to a public hospital or a state health facility and get a lot of the psychological care that you can get now under Medicare. So there's always been a huge gap in our system. You know, we don't only have hip replacements in the private sector, we have hip replacements in the public sector or eye surgery. We don't just have it in the private sector, we have it in the public sector, even though the waiting lists are longer, typically in those areas. So all health care is rationed. One of the big problems in mental health is we do not have enough skilled providers for skilled psychological therapies, particularly clinical psychologists and so, others. So this is this is this is key, and we'll come back to it. But how long has that problem been around? And I was theorising in the introduction that it's perhaps because we've got a lot more open and aware of of mental health that demand has increased. Is is, is that true? Uh, demand is increasing. That is true. But Minister yeah. Butler was actually the previous Labor Cabinet Minister for Mental Health and Ageing, and he previously restricted Medicare rebates back to 10 sessions, actually, in the same problem 10 years ago in an attempt to say, look, this oh, is so one. For, for exactly the same reason. For exactly the same reason. Now, the evaluation report that he received just before Christmas showed that the change made by the Morrison government made the situation dramatically worse. Now, so let me, let me just ask you about that. Did you support... The, uh, did you support the increase from 10 to 20 in 2020 by the Morrison government? And did this unintended consequence of it squeezing some people out, did anyone anticipate or warn about that? Yes, me and my colleagues. Did you? We modelled it. Of course we did. We but but you said you'd been asking for this increase. No, 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 no. I didn't say I'd been asking for it. Oh, others. I said professional advocacy groups, otherwise known as the health trade unions, representing the professions, wanted it. 
Now, they were doing it for not just a business reason. I'm not saying this is a mercenary issue. They were doing it on another basis, that there are people who do require much more than five sessions. They're definitely us. And I'm not disputing that at all. Okay. The question is, how do we do that? Who do we do it for? Who provides those things? How do we monitor the outcome? Now, my argument is that system's never been built. And this is the wrong system. This is a square peg in a round hole. This is the wrong system to try and remodel for that purpose. This is where me and my professional colleagues fall out. Because we did model it and we did say to the Morrison government, in fact, I talk about lone voice. I feel a lone voice on this again. Lone voice at the time when the Morrison government said, we're doing this and it's COVID related. And I and my colleagues on the basis of dynamic modelling, modelling this stuff. You remember modelling the virus, modelling the economy, modelling engineering. You can model this stuff. Limited supply. What will happen if more people use the 20 session? What will happen to all the so-called waiting list of all the people trying to get in? You create a bigger bottleneck, bottom line. And, and that's what happened. Exactly what – now, so, you know, it's the worst thing in the world to say, I told you so. But we actually told the Morrison government, this is a really bad idea. Now, everyone screamed us down at the time going, that's very nasty because there is a need – no doubt about the need. But boy, if you're trying to get any psychological care in an emergency situation or following up a suicide attempt or seeing a young person in trouble and you can't get any care at all, my view is that's worse. So so you're saying in a way someone someone who's still unwell after 10 sessions will need an extra five sessions, but someone who's really unwell will need those first five sessions even more. So if we're looking at cost-benefit resource allocation, it's neither a good, but if only one of those two people can have them, it's better that the person who's unwell gets five sessions and the person who's not better yet gets sessions 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Is that kind of it? Yes. Also, what do they get? So if you go along and you say to your GP, I've got a sore hip, right? Not all those people proceed to hip replacement, <laughs> Many have physiotherapy, many have other interactions, or I've got a bad back. They don't all proceed to back surgery. There's a process of looking at the problem, assessing the problem, looking at what's the optimal intervention. Those that really need to go to surgery go onto the waiting list. Those who don't go to other options. You don't just say to everybody, okay, we're just going to provide the same generic thing, 10 sessions, 20 sessions. This is not a thing. There's been a lack of serious discussion about what's the problem, what's the ideal intervention, who, not just an individual, not just a solo practitioner, but do a group of people, this involves a psychologist, a psychiatrist. We saw this in the eating disorder area. To be fair to the Morrison government, it did some good things. For example, introducing much more complex Medicare arrangements for eating disorders. I didn't think they do it as, did it as well as they could have done it, but they did at least say it involves a dietitian, it involves a doctor, it involves a psychologist, it involves a team of people, nothing to do with this 10 versus 20 nonsense. What is the group of people that is required for a problem like an eating disorder? Well, I'd say the same thing about obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, other complex personality disorders. What's the thing? What's the ideal treatment? Who is skilled to provide that intervention? Not all psychologists are the same. Not all people who work in mental health are the same. For more complex problems... More skilled practitioners and teams of practitioners are often required. That's what we should be doing, providing the so, models of care, not arguing about 10 versus 20 versus 30 versus 40. That session. all sounds very sensible, but the reason we're arguing about 10 versus 20 is because the Albanese government, having been in power for seven months as we record this, hasn't done any of that. 
They haven't announced any of that. All they've done is make a cut, 20 to 10. Um, Mark Butler has announced he'll host a forum on January the 30 with experts and advocates on how to make Medicare-backed mental health services more sustainable and equitable. You have said before on this podcast more than once, we don't need more forums. We don't need more meetings. We need action. Are you going to the forum and it will just and will it just come up with another list of recommendations that aren't acted on for several years like like many you've described in the past? And I've been very angry, as you know, James, very angry with previous ministers who've just had forums and recommendations and postponements. So I've been working uh, throughout 2022 with Australians for Mental Health, a community movement that's been lobbying politicians about increased training programs for clinical psychologists. I think that's a critical issue. And we made a submission to the government before the October budget. And we hope to see that happen. Great deal of consensus amongst myself and particularly my clinical psychology colleagues and others, massively increased the training posts, introduced important waiting lists so that those who need that more urgent care or those who need that more complex care get it. The people who really need the surgery get the surgery from the surgeons. You know, they get what they really need faster. They're not just in a so generic So more triaging, queue. do you mean? Much more triaging, absolutely. Sorting out who's what, who's got an urgent need, who needs to move into more specialist care, what the public sector should be doing, not just Medicare, what the state should be doing, what other new programs we need, what who services... Who should be doing the, the triaging? Well, more skilled people. So the skilled people need to do more of the triaging so they recognise things that are not just generic. You know, mm. you go along with a mental health problem, you tell a story... What's wrong? What's happened to me? Where am I? You know, as we've discussed many times, person, the skilled practitioner isn't just listening to the story. They're observing your behaviour. They're observing the way you tell the story. They're listening, hopefully, to what your family said. They're looking at the impact on your life. They're trying to sort out, can you self-care? Do you need, like, five sessions, brief interventions? Do you need a skilled intervention from a psychologist that might be 10 or 20 sessions? Or do you need something much more... Uh, complex than that to make a time. So triage is really important. Triage is best done by skilled, not unskilled people. It's, it, can be, it can be actually augmented or complemented by new digital systems, by having people put more information in and make decisions all the time about what can happen. So but when you say, I mean, you've said before, start at the top. Um, it's pr- probably not practical for everyone to start at a psychiatrist, but do you mean GPs should be doing this Triaging? No, this can be done in services. Oh, well, tri- well, there are many people who can contribute to the triage process. So mm. GPs are one of them, but this happens out of emergency departments. This happens in headspace services. This happens in youth services. This can happen online. Much of that. We're talking online today, James. We're not even in the same room today. We can do stuff online. And you can assess people online. In fact, one of the very good things that happened during the Morrison government period was telehealth was not temporary and didn't end when COVID, as we understand it, ended. It continued, even though there was lobbying from various medical groups to end it. Can you imagine ending wow. telehealth? They didn't want it because it was interfering with their bricks-and-mortar clinics because people weren't coming to the clinic anymore. They're sitting at home doing what you're doing. Now, a huge amount of mental health is done online, telehealth, like you and I are talking today. We're even seeing each other. Thank God the listeners aren't seeing us. But, you know, that can be done. And people are in rural and remote areas, are seeing specialists, they're connecting. Young people are attending more online than they do turning up to clinics. And guess what? Originally, the Morrison government introduced it. It was all bulk build. It was all free. It was all actually cheaper to the customer than actually what we normally do. We had lower overheads. Fancy that. You know, so there are a lot of options. Your really important point is I think the minister's made a key decision. We're not doing going backwards. But, but. Well, he hasn't we made a decision to go forwards yet. But, I mean, the, 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 the bottleneck in 
you know, the supply problem in the provision of psychological services will take years to fix because ah, if you get ah. you get some well well you can argue back at that but this is what this is what I reckon it'll take years to fix because it takes years to train a psychologist they're already seven and a half months behind they've been in power for seven and a half months if a problem is going to take a few years to fix. Why wait seven and a half months in an ounce of forum that's going to require further delays? You know, why not just act in the first couple of months because then you might see results in 2025. Maybe now it's 2026 or 2027 because they haven't done anything yet. Yes. Am I being unfair? I think it'll be a little bit harsh. Since the Albanese government, you know, and I was part of this, the National Mental Health Commission, when it was before that, the Turnbull government, had a Productivity Commission review. And it was delivered to the Morrison government. To be fair, it was delivered during the COVID period. What a mess up mental health was back in 2020. They didn't do anything in 2020, 2021, 2022 to substantially change the situation. Now, as I say, Minister Butler was the minister in the Gillard government a decade ago. Now, these problems have not emerged overnight and community interest demand has gone up. But just on you, we can't fix it for 20 years. That's not true either. So in the proposals I've been working with with my psychology colleagues, we could rapidly expand the number of clinical psychologists in training. Now, what we do in every other part of the health system is put those trainees immediately to work in the public sector. If you go to a public hospital tomorrow, you are likely to meet a training specialist. If you break your arm in orthopedics, you get banged on the head in neurosurgery. If you're my age, you've got pain in the chest or your heart's not beating regularly, you're likely to meet a trainee cardiologist working in that, being supervised by some old bloke or person or woman person, you know, who knows what they're doing. But the workforce is largely trainees and it's for free in the public hospital system. So we could have hundreds, if not thousands, of training clinical psychologists working in the public sector and distributing them where they needed at no cost to the public through the public. Now, this would require cooperation between the Commonwealth governments and the states. Now, actually, New South Wales, to her credit, Bronnie Taylor, the minister here in New South Wales, Victoria, Dan Andrews' government, they've said we're totally up for that. Because things like Headspace, which I'm personally associated with, has lost a third of its clinical workforce in recent years due to these changes. People have walked out of the Headspaces, skilled practitioners, down the road, set up their own private clinics under these extended Medicare arrangements. We've, we have a limited workforce in total, but we can rapidly supplement that by having people in training. The proposal I've worked with Australians for Mental Health says about 400 a year could immediately be deployed into those systems. So they'd be providing care and training and then graduating at least 400 a year. Now, my more industrial colleagues, organisational colleagues in clinical psychology, they'd like to see 1,000 a year. Now, 1,000 a year is pretty hard to organise immediately off the bat, but we can rapidly increase that. And then we have to work differently. We have to not just do what we've been doing or run off and do our own small private practices got to work differently and and really support the public sector, the distribution in rural and regional Australia, the affordability, the equity issues that Mark Buckett was talking about. So there are, I believe, James, decisions available. Do they cost money? Yes. Do they require a movement away from simple fee-for-service, which is what is very precious to our medical colleagues? Yes. Do we need to do things differently? Now, the previous government wasn't big on this kind of stuff. and Well, I mean, isn't it fair to say the present government – isn't big on it either because it's had seven and a half. Like everything you've said, 
It's not that complicated. If I got sworn in as health minister at the end of May 2022, sometime in my first months, I'd say, well, one of the big problems is we don't have enough psychologists. Get a couple of heads of uni, get you in, get a couple other people. Let's spend an hour talking about it. What are five things we can do to fix that? Right, oh, well, I don't want to delay that because it's going to take a while. I'll, I'll get things going. Well, why isn't that? I mean, has that happened with no announcement or has it just not happened? Uh, it hasn't happened. There have been arrangements. I think we also saw a change. Now, psychologists are largely trained in the university sector, which yeah. falls under the education portfolio. Now, you may have been aware that something well, happened. Well, they can get together. They know each other. Mark well, Butler and the education guy. We all thought before the election that was going to be Tanya Plebisic. So had we had this conversation with Tanya Plebisic, you bet. But unfortunately, and good for the environment, she went off to the environment. Another guy, Jason Clare, has become the education minister. You know, have we presented this to his office? You bet. So, yes, look, I'm, as you know, James, I'm an impatient man. You are. I'm well, it sounds like man. you're not as impatient as I am. Or, no, hang on. Well, maybe hang on. you're more hang realistic. On. No, 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 I am very imp- – no, no. Uh, and working with Australians for Mental Health, and I must say the independence, the teal independence to their great credit, took up many of these issues before the election. They're representing local communities. And then they're actually from areas of the country that are often the wealthiest and the best resource, but they know in their areas this is rubbish. This is not working also. So this is Australia-wide, but it's particularly true in rural and regional Australia. It's particularly true in disadvantaged communities, lower socioeconomic groups, have the highest rates of mental health problems and the lowest rates of services. So I don't want to appear... Un- <laughs> I am impatient. Sorry, we we'll get all the negatives. I am impatient. Yes. I well, am hoping the minister is, takes... In the- Decisions. In this podcast, mm. you're you're appearing like the good guy. I'm appearing like the bad guy. <laughs> no, you're the you're the person. <laughs> you're the real person, dad, father, husband, community guy who says, "Where are the services? Like, yeah, where are the services?" And it appears, at first blush, as if some degree of useful service has been taken away. Yeah. Now, and and from some of the without people- any compensation or any positive being announced, it's not like okay, here's something some people think is bad, but we're doing this. It's just. We're cutting this. No, nothing else so far. Yeah. So if there's a good to rise out of all of this, I actually think on the. I actually think it would have been a big mistake to continue with the current arrangements, which would have built inequity into the system permanently. Mm. However, I totally agree with you. That does not solve the problem for those who actually require complex care, and there are many, many Australians who are in that category, and they need the best care. But I think the professions, to be fair, the minister, I think the professions have to get real here. What's the problem? What's the ideal treatment? Who can provide that? And then how do we finance it? How do we sort out who does what, where, and that we do it more fairly than we've done? It doesn't depend mm-hmm. on your capacity to pay. Now, what has happened during the current arrangements is the average out-of-pocket payment per session has gone up to $90 per session on average. The proportion of people who are paying, that's about 65% of people in about 80,000 less Australians are getting into the system every year. People are coming back to the system. When you said 10 sessions, it's 10 sessions per year. So more and more of those people are simply coming back every year. Fewer and fewer people are ever getting in. And when you look at who's not getting in, young people, disadvantaged people, people in rural and regional Australia not getting in. So that and, they're all outside the door. They're not making so much noise as the people who are inside going, hang on a second, I need more. Is the, and is that because they're with the 10 extra sessions, up to 20 Medicare-rebated sessions, you can explain this better than me, but there's now more of an incentive for psychologists to operate in more wealthy areas where people are able to pay that gap between the Medicare rebate and and the cost of the psychologist? Yes. Mm. And you said an interesting thing. The doctor decides to continue. Not only does the doctor decide to continue, the patient has to decide to continue to pay. 
you know, one of the reasons people drop out isn't just they've had enough, is they can't afford it. How many, how many people can afford to pay $90 on average, that's average, so many people are paying a lot more than that, per session every time they go? Just do a little bit of math there, you know, for 10 sessions, that's 900. 20 mm. sessions, that's 1,800. Out of pocket, above the Medicare rebate, on average. Now, many people are paying more than that. So it is already the case, and it was always the case. Now, you know, this is the reality of Medicare. Medicare is a system, and Mark Butler is dealing this around general practice and other areas of its function, that has drifted a long way away from universality to actually where you live and how much you can pay out of pocket for all sorts of medical and specialist services. Huge problem that's faced. So to be fair, seven months is relatively short compared with the previous 10 years, but Medicare is 40 years old. We're 20 years now into Medicare and psychology coming together in various ways, which is very good. And I must say, I was one of the original architects of that particular system, strongly argued for Medicare to pick up these issues, but we've got to revamp it. We've got to make it work. Just like the National Disability Insurance Scheme, we've got to look at whether it's working and reformat it. So do two things. Make it easier to get in when you need to get in, but also get you the right level of care as quickly as proper. As you know, James, slogan, I love a good slogan, right care, first time, where you live. Very good. Um, What advice do you have? Okay, it's now June 2023. What advice do you have for hypothetical Chris? Chris has just finished 10 sessions, uh, Medicare rebated sessions, which have cost her a bit, but she's been able to afford it. She's been back to her GP and she's still unwell, suffering from anxiety, depression, bit of OCD, and the sessions are helping, but she's still very unwell and having a miserable time. And her GP says, uh, you can continue, but we, the system can't help you anymore. She says, I can't afford to continue on my own. Um, what advice do you have from Chris? And is there a risk that this could turn out to be a false economy because without the sessions, Chris falls backwards and in three months later is admitted to hospital, costing the, well, with a personal cost to Chris, obviously, but costing the system tens of thousands of dollars far in excess of of what 10 more rebated uh, counselling sessions would have cost her. So I think we need to do two things. What's in Chris's interest? Yeah. What is in Chris's interest is clearly getting access to ongoing care if that's appropriate. A review about whether the treatment she's been receiving is actually the right treatment. Is that the nature of the problem? Is it working? Or do other possibilities need to be considered? Right. So assessment, review, looking at the particular issues and then access to that care. You're still talking as if the only option is to rely on the Medicare system. That may not be the only option. So the government, in its uh, previous government, Morrison's government, had started the issue of development of specialist hubs in various areas. It may not be the same individual psychologist down the street. There may be other options. However, ongoing care. Now, I'm glad you said by June 2023, I would really like to see the Albanese government take substantive actions in the May 2023 budget so that by June, mm. by July 1, 2023, we did have more options on the table. Absolutely. So, you know, talk about impatient. Yeah, I'm impatient. This meeting is going to take place on January 30th. I reckon, given all the carry-on by all the professional groups. Ah, Yes. Hmm. Um, But I'll be sitting on the corner on my own. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Being ostracised. I'll be ostracised by all my colleagues. All the other trade union representatives will be on the other ends. What our union wants is this. What our union wants is that. Uh, The particular groups. And we want it now. We want a lot of it. 
and we wanted to support what we're currently doing. I'm going. I'm going. I'll be at the bad guy, black hat down the corner. What about reform? What about working right. differently? What about doing triage? What about doing more of the assessments? More importantly, what about agreeing? Now, I reckon if the meeting starts at nine, we could have agreement by ten past nine that there's a whole lot of conditions if they were defined. Obsessive compulsive disorder you mentioned, post-traumatic stress disorder that's severe, borderline personality, sort of emerging bipolar disorder, emerging psychosis, all sorts of areas that clearly, clearly require skilled operators monitoring the progress and that any notion of 10 sessions or 20 sessions is irrelevant because what you just said is important. Recovery is important. What is the amount, What is the dose that's required of the right thing to get a good outcome? We do not want people re-entering the system constantly and we don't want to lose gains that we've made. Now, the other point of view, of course, is you've alluded to this, that Chris might end up back in an emergency department, but emergency departments at the moment are full of people who've received no care that the first right. place that they are going is emergency department. They're mainly young people and they're mainly poorer people and they're mainly disadvantaged people. They're going straight to the emergency department because it's the only place open. And the emergency department doctors ring and go, I've got this young person in the emergency department. Where can I send them? Like where? They go, no, no, well, the waiting list is February 2024. And that's if they can afford it. You know, that's not okay. So there's a responsibility of the rest of the health system to at the state level, but also the federal level to rapidly reach some agreements. So the good thing about, I think, uh, Mark Butler being the minister, as he was the minister before, doing nothing is not an option. More talk, no action is not an option. And this is where it gets hard because you can do it smart and spend more money. So, James, again, a marvellous financial model I've been looking at at the population level. We spend about $11 billion on mental health every year in Australia. We reckon you could spend about 15 in a smart system and get a really good outcome. That's quite a lot more. That's like $4 billion or more. If you do it the way we're currently doing it, it'll cost you at least $22 billion. It'll be 60% more expensive to do it dumb. Now, if you're the finance minister or the treasurer, you, hang on a second, you can't have another $8 billion a year just to do it dumb. So the problem the health minister's got is he needs to put up smart proposals to get mm. for support. And I think as a taxpayer, you might also say, I want it spent, I do, I want it spent smart 21st century, and I want it spent more fairly. I do believe in the universality of our healthcare system. One of Australia's great redeeming features is we do have something like a universal health system, but not really in mental health. We never really have had. Two more details questions before we finish. One is, is it possible that the supply problem can be fixed by broadening the ambit of of counsellors who are eligible um, to get the media, sorry, to get the Medicare rebate? Like what, what is the group now that are eligible for it? Is it just psychologists? And can that be broadened out to people who are already, you know, doing that sort of work? So there's a lot of debate about that. Now, I'm from the skilled intervention school. If you need a friend, a counsellor, someone to chat to, I don't think that's Medicare business. If you need someone who's got skilled and different levels of psychological skill, different levels of psychologists, I'm particularly emphasising we're short of the skilled ones, the clinical psychologists, the really skilled ones who can do the complex therapies. You know, James, not all psychological therapies go well. Some cause mm. harm and failure to provide the right treatment wastes people's time and money. This is not a hand-holding episode or just, you know, uh, providing relief in distress. So there are different levels of psychology for different levels of complexity of problems. So simply broadening the base. Now, again, you know, 
this modelling stuff I've been associated with, just broadening the base just puts more people in, more awareness campaigns. Guess what happens? Makes it worse. More people flood into the system. So a variety of people can engage in self-care strategies. This is where the internet and online things become useful. People can do things for themselves. They can be triaged. They can be tracked. And have the people coming into the Medicare system who really require more skilled assessment, more personalised care and more skilled intervention. So I think the problem is not at the bottom of the pyramid. The problem is in the middle of the pyramid and going up. We don't have enough skilled workforces. And their time needs to be spent on the assessment and the better management of people with more complex problems. Uh, Finally, as I understand it, there is no limit to the amount of Medicare rebated sessions you can have with a psychiatrist. But the problem there is, again, one of supply, huge demand, limited supply, yes? Well, there technically is up around 50, you know, but really, but it's irrelevant because that's not what psychiatrists do. (laughs) You know, they're not in the generic counselling 10 sessions, 20 sessions kind of business. There's this generic 10, 20 as if there's something terrible about 10 and magical. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Yes, yes, yes. On average, five. Brief interventions actually help. A lot of people who are distressed benefit a lot from brief interventions. When people say it must be at least 10, this is also nonsense. There are brief interventions that work really well. Yeah. And some, so some people will require five, some will require 10. It's not the number. It's what the hell's going on during that period of time and is it relevant to the problem that you've got? <laughs> and, is it, and more importantly, does it work? Does it actually improve the situation uh, as you go? And if, it's, if it does, great. If it doesn't, then there may well be a change or a different combination of treatments required. So, you know, I think we can solve a lot of these problems. But base again, we've looked at this broadening the base of the pyramid because that's a really important question. That can only work because it brings many more people in mm. if the specialist, if the next level up is working. Otherwise, it just creates a huge bottleneck. It doesn't solve the problem. And then you end up with people who are receiving care but not getting better. <laughs> you know, yeah. actually, that costs you a lot of money. That's where the $22 billion comes from. You can spend a lot of money and not get a lot better outcome and not get more equity either. Well, perhaps you can give us an update after the 30th of January, if unless you're sworn to secrecy, about what happens at the um, forum and what you think might um No, I don't think we've been, No, actually, to Mark Butler's credit, he put the evaluation report out there. Mm. He did stuff that people didn't like. I think you're going to see there is already more transparency about what's going on. There will be plenty of argument, but I think, James, I think we'll be returning to this topic. <laughs> I think we will, many <laughs> times. impatiently, you and me want the same thing. We want a much better mental health system in Australia. As I'm sure to many of our listeners, probably all of our listeners, if you've got any questions or comments, want to suggest further topics for us to discuss, uh, please send us an email at mindingyourmind2, that's mindingyourmindnumeral2 at gmail.com. Mining Your Mind is supported by Future Generation Global and the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Further help's available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Just Google them. We can call Lifeline on 131114.